0: To Let's talk TV True Detective Season 3 Episode 7 The Pinchumlet Pentultimate Penti Pentulament? However the hell you say it. The one before the big one. Uh, the episode of True Detective. Episode seven, the final country, where we really are moving fast towards the finish line. I thought obviously episode six. Ended in a great place with with Tom finding the pink room, maybe finding Julie. But episode 7 opens up with a new timeline. We're not in 1980. We're not in 1990. We're not in 2015. We open up in, if I'm guessing, I'll say 1999, 2000, somewhere around there, where... Wayne is dropping Becca off at school, dropping her off at college, and they have a heartwhelming moment as she gets out of the car. They're obviously still good, still on speaking terms. They haven't had their falling out just yet. But he looks in the rearview mirror, and he's teleported back to to 1990, where he's getting out of the car at Tom's suicide scene. Uh, He's transported back to Devil's Den, the park where the original crime happened. And we find uh, Tom laid out dead suicide note next to him saying that he is now going to go back to his wife and son and be reunited. So we have a a suicide. We have a suicide from Tom. But it doesn't seem like a suicide. Or like we, we as the audience knows it's not a suicide. We as the audience knows it's not a suicide. And in 2015, the documentary lady, she knows it's not a suicide. And she asks, she asks, Wayne, have, have you ever considered that? Does it not seem a little too convenient that basically you guys start investigating again, you find another dead body conveniently, and the investigation is stopped?
1: Did you ever think it was possible Tom didn't commit suicide?
2: That was the ME's call. Man, man had plenty of reasons for doing something like that.
1: The ME's report noted a swollen contusion at the base of his skull, as if he'd been struck there.
2: His skull was blown apart. The whole thing was one big contusion.
1: We had an independent ME evaluate the report. She said the gunshot wouldn't account for a particular bruise and blood clot.
2: You're suggesting that somebody brought him up there, unconscious, then did him in that way.
1: In any case, it effectively ended the second investigation. It's like 1980, isn't it? A sudden act of violence, a dead man, and the case is closed.
2: Yes, I never
0: thought of a dead way. But we quickly learned that, yes, he, he has thought of that before. He had, you know, put the two and two together that this wasn't making four in the correct way. You're immediately taken to to 1990, a conversation with Roland and Wayne following Finding Tom's body. And, and Wayne is very hip to the idea that this isn't right. It's like 1980 again. They're going to hang it on a dead suspect. Suspect? That was us, man.
2: We did that, drove him to it. We didn't make that phone call. We did our job. If we hadn't, someone else woulda. And you said it, they woulda eaten him alive. We need to keep going. The missing print. the man with one eye, where Dan was saying. Take a fucking minute. The good man's dead, cause we pushed him knowing we didn't like him for it, seeing how he was taking it. You sure that's what happened? You figure time for a typist, write a little three-line note like that? You ain't worked a case in 10 years. For fuck's sake, Purple. What do you think this is about? Why do you think I pulled you in here? Find a girl and solve what happened. You don't think there's better detectives around? Hey, we find the girl, great. We clear it, great. How often's that happen? 10 year old case. This was me helping you get your career back. You understand? It's a favor I did. Because I'm such a hard luck case.
0: So, a couple things here, obviously. Uh, yes, they have considered the, the possibility and the likelihood and the common sense thing that Tom did not just all of a sudden kill himself. But also, you get a angry Roland acknowledging, admitting that hey look man, this wasn't about us trying to you know be lucky and miraculously break this case 10 years later, right This was about us getting you working again. This was about us getting you kind of at the point where you could be a cop again, you could get from behind a desk, pushing papers doing things that aren't fulfilling and get back out being a cop again because you know throughout the entire show Roland has been very complimentary of Wayne's detective work so you know that it drove him crazy that such a good cop was not out and working you know he if you think back to episode 3 or 4 where where Roland is talking to his uh, bosses, or he's talking to the investigators, I guess, the people who are reopening the case. And he says, you know, I've tried to get him transferred out here a couple times, and it keeps getting shot down. But this, finally, everything came together where they could work together and he could get him working. So not only did they consider the suicide, but really you get that, like, maybe Roland was just kind of, I don't want to say going through the motions, but wasn't as confident that they could actually find julie purcell and put this thing to bed but when you have this up against the contrast of 2015 where the documentary lady is asking hey have you ever considered that this wasn't a suicide and he's like oh well no i guess i never thought about that you you, you kind of think, well, is this memory that shot? But then obviously here with the contrast, you get the idea that maybe they are just playing this really close to the vest with her this entire time. In the meantime, you have a couple of uh, I don't want to call them throwaway scenes because I do think that the at least one of these could be important. Uh, Amelia goes and visits Lucy's friend, trying to do some you know try to do some investigative work, trying to piece together because if you remember episode six, she was not attacked, but confronted at her book signing by the one-eyed black man who we think is the one who had something to do with the kids missing. So she goes and she's talking to Lucy's friend and asks about black guys. The friend says, no, Lucy never liked them, never would hook up with them. They find a picture from Halloween with two big men in ghost costumes. Amelia wants to take the picture the lady is really hesitant to give it as she is obviously holding on to memories of these kids she ultimately decides she will with Amelia promising to make copies and bring it back the next day on the way out though it seemed it was I don't know if this blonde was supposed to be kind of as chilling and haunting as it seemed but you know Amelia asked her if she's ever thought about moving into town, like leaving the area where all of this terrible things have happened, where her her best friend's kids were kidnapped and, you know, one was left for dead. We don't know about the other. And she just replies, no, no, everyone else is gone, basically. Uh, so someone has to hang around and remember what happened in this town. We'll see if that comes back to play at all, this picture. We'll see if this is a key moment, but either way, like death has happened to a lot of people involved in this case even up until 1990 you know she's there making her wreath for decoration day for for tom she's kind of left with the task of remembering and carrying on this legacy of sorts or making sure that it gets like i said remembered we also see cousin Dan has disappeared and left his car behind something's happened to Dan is Dan now dead Did Dan die at the hands of Tom? Did, after Tom leave, did the Hoyts come and clean up their mess? And Dan, who is, you know, basically busting this case open and and creating issues. But Dan's gone. We don't know if he's dead yet. We do know he turns up dead eventually. But he has disappeared and left his car behind. You get a 1980 scene with Amelia and Wayne where you finally kind of see their discussion when she tells him, Hey, I'm writing this book and she drags her feet with it a little bit. Like, Hey, I'm working on this. And he's like, Oh yeah. So yeah, I might do it in a magazine and would it be okay? Is it a conflict of interest? I just don't want to waste my, my talents. I don't want to waste my degree. I don't want to be like my mom. I have aspirations, which, you know, obviously we know in 1990 ultimately helps pull them apart. But Wayne gives his blessings enthusiastically. When asked about if it's a conflict of interest with his bosses and all that, he just replies with, fuck them. Basically, like, if they don't want to do a good enough job, we'll help expose them. I'll tell you everything you need to know. Maybe this is just uh, Wayne coming off of that sex high because, you, you know, you're assuming that he's he stayed over and that they're kind of in the honeymoon stages of their relationship. Or maybe, you know, at the time he thought, hey, yeah, this is what we need to do. And he was bitter about what happened in 1980. And, you know, obviously her obsession stayed. Her obsession led to the book being a huge success and to, you know, her career kind of taking off at the same time he's crashed. But here we know in 1980, Wayne was all about her writing this book. But then we go back to 2015 and we see, you know, kind of what we had hinted at a couple episodes ago and that this could all be tied. And um, during her interview with Old Man. Wayne she starts talking about the potential that this ties into a much bigger case one that we know well from season one of true detective
1: dolls are used as signifiers in the human trafficking underground like this blue spiral it's code for pedophiles in 2012 two former Louisiana state police stopped a serial killer associated with some kind of pedophile ring despite evidence of accomplices The case never went wider.
2: I think I read about that. So what are you saying? Hmm? I think at this point, I deserve an explanation, miss. What do you say happened?
1: I think what happened to the Purcell children was connected to a similar group. I think one or both of their parents sold them off. Probably with the cousin's help. That's why they're all gone. Vanished. Killed, kept silent.
2: Hmm.
1: These groups, they take runaways, kids in orphanages, outright kidnapping. And wider investigations are consistently curtailed. In both the Louisiana and Nebraska cases, high level politicians and businessmen were implicated. People with the power to make these things go away. You were transferred off major crimes after the 80 investigation. In 1990, you left the force. You saw nothing that suggested obfuscation from higher quarters. No evidence ignored. No forced conclusions.
2: Being police. There's no certainty. A lot of the time, there's no clarity at all. Yeah. Just do your best and learn to live with ambiguity.
0: We had seen earlier that this was going to be connected to season one, but here we have it just laid out in black and white for us as she references uh, the two cases, one in Louisiana, which is obviously Rust and Marty, and the other in Nebraska. And you may not be familiar of the Nebraska, uh, the Nebraska, I guess, case. This is a real-life case that, you know, during, I guess, the, I want to say the mid-80s, it was a, the yeah, 1988, the shutdown of Omaha, Nebraska's Franklin Community Federal Credit Union uh, got raided by federal agencies, and, you know, a bunch of money was missing, and they were accused of being, a, you know, th- they were accused of child abuse, Satanism, and murder. So, like, this is kind of drawing some parallels from that, but that's the Nebraska case that they... Uh, we're talking about. But there you see it. She lays it out. Okay. So she thinks this is bigger. This is being connected. So it makes sense. If you go back and listen to season three, episode one of let's talk TV, that was one of my critiques, or at least one of my observations was like, okay, they're going back to the season one feel for better or worse. The, the dolls, the dolls, you know, you couldn't help, but think that they were similar to the stick figures that were left Around you know Marie fighting those crime scenes and all the crime scenes from season one, but it's not just that. True Detective wanted to kind of play the greatest hits; they wanted to tie this in somehow. So here we have it: it is uh, the dolls, the spiral could be all connected to this huge pedophilia ring. But you see, right after this, like you know, Wayne runs off to to Giddily tell Roland that hey, they got a name now. What? What's what's is the what's is the name of the one-eyed black man that maybe was the one who took Julie? What's is the name? And Roland kind of tries to get him to slow down, but uh, you know, Wayne finally says like why he is still really so involved in wanting to crack this case. Hi.
2: What? She said. The one i of me. You heard that? Write it down before I forget Watts. I'm sorry, ma'am. But you think your wife would want this for you? What's happening with you? She wants me to finish it.
0: How's that? Watts. Don't forget, because I will. So here you hear that Wayne is kind of doing this for... Amelia, he wants to finish the case for both of them. You know, that's what got them together in 1980. It's kind of what tore them apart, or at least created created some real friction between the two of them. Now, we don't know how this ends and, and what's going to happen and really ultimately in their happen in their marriage, but this case has been, if not front and center, it's been heavily involved in their love. So here in 2015 Wayne is trying to finish this for her and you know the flashbacks the memories of her is kind of the only thing he has left in a weird and really sad way she's kind of helping him cope in 2015 she's kind of giving him a reason to to have some purpose I guess but Back in 1990, you see Wayne really kind of going to work as a policeman. He's feels like they've hit a dead end. Cousin Dan's gone. They've lost their one little piece of information that they thought they might have. But as he's walking out, he gets, boom, hit with the phone numbers he asked for. And he immediately goes to work tracking down the phone numbers to the hotel of Lucy Purcell. He gets uh, a match basically saying that, that Harrison James and the Hoyt, Hoyt, Administration, the Hoyt people, I guess, had been contacting her a lot leading up to her death. He then kind of, um, as he's doing this, I guess it's important to point out that Amelia, Amelia is so also so like enthralled in this case that she she's trying to get a hold of Wayne. He's not coming home, so she has taken the kids on not a stakeout, but I guess an, an interview with Lucy's old boss at the bar. To the point where she looks out at one point at one point and sees that the kids are gone. She frantically runs out there just to see them asleep. But it just kind of highlighted, A, that this case has consumed their life. But B, that it created friction in their marriage. Like I said, like she was waiting on him to come home to take the kid duty. Not so that they could have time together or not so they could be together. So that she could then immediately go and continue trying to crack this case on her own for this second book. But... You see Wayne, like I said, he's tracking down the phone numbers. He then gets a hit like, hey, let's see if anyone flew into Las Vegas. He does so while posing as Roland, by the way, which I don't know if if that was really, I mean, he says Roland West as he's calling to, to get the information, but yeah. Uh, maybe that's something that's going to lead to their their breakup. Maybe that's going to lead to some of the things that you know lead them to not talk to each other for a long, long time. But he poses as Roland, gets some information, sees that Harris James has flown out to Vegas and flown back, basically bookending the day that Lucy Purcell Purcell overdosed on heroin. He takes that information to Roland and says, hey, we have to, we have to avenge Tom. We have to do it for Tom, do it for Tom, do it for Tom. I'm thinking about Tom, think about that note.
2: You see him wanting to be with Lucy again. You see him typing it. We gotta do this for Tom. And what if James won't talk? We get enough on him, he'll break. Get him out to that barn, he'll break. If we you feel like you let Tom down. This is how you make it right, bro. We don't let it slide. Don't let them put this on. This is how we do right by Tom. You can stop saying that now. I'm not simple.
0: Wayne is really trying to hammer home here that they need they need to go and avenge their dear friend Tom. Now we do know that that Tom and Roland have a really good relationship. But so far we haven't seen that with Wayne and Tom, but he keeps trying to hammer that home to, to Roland and to the point which Roland then starts, you know, kind of takes offense to him. It's like, look, stop saying that I'm not simple. You don't have to try to, to goad me into this. You don't have to try to appeal to my, my sensitivity or, or my friendship with him. Don't, Pretend like you're doing this for his legacy. We know what you're doing it for. We know you're doing it for yourself, but fine. Let's go and take care of business. Let's go and try to see what we can find out. Let's go and try to track this and break this to break this case. we are going to go try to find Harris James. Quick time lapse of 2015 where they're talking to Hoyt's former houseworker and. You know, they have tracked down, they've used that information they got from the from the documentary lady, who basically they revealed well they were just using her. Like they never intended on giving her information. They were only taking this case, or I guess I guess he was only taking these interviews to get her information to try to try to get some new info on this case. He never intended on helping her make a documentary. He was just trying to milk some things out of her. He gets the name Watts from her. They're able to go and track down who, you know, we find out he goes by the name Mr. June. He's a one-eyed black man who was close with Mr. Hoyt, worked in the house with Mr. Hoyt, was kind of his right-hand man. You learn that Hoyt's daughter was in a car wreck where she lost her husband and her daughter, which I don't know if this is just kind of – Going to uh, be as simple as this man's daughter died, or this man's this man's granddaughter died. His daughter was really grieving, so they basically bought Julie Purcell for her to raise as her daughter. But seems like that might be where we're heading. It seems like that might be uh, the motivation he needed the Hoyt family to to buy Julie Purcell from from Lucy. We learned that, and uh, you know, and then you have a, an episode where where Wayne is mistaking this woman's daughter for Becca, and in, in their moment where he's going to go drop her off at school, All right, but then we get we get we get the scene where they they're tailing Harris James for a while. They pull him over. They basically drag him out of the car they take him to the barn where they took the the sex offender from I believe episode 2 they tie him up to the post and they go to town on him asking him questions and he's playing it cool he's being a smart ass while doing it which is leading roland to really go to town on on james's ribs he's complaining that he doesn't feel right there you think maybe there maybe maybe this is what's happened here you, you you had a feeling after last episode and knowing that you know a death had happened somewhere you have the feeling that maybe they're going to accidentally kill this man. And as he's coughing up blood and talking about his insides, you're, as an audience, you're kind of thinking, wow, okay, they, they, they've gone too far. So Wayne tries to unhandcuff him as they're getting some information. But as they're doing that, he reaches for the gun, tries to fight Wayne to the ground. Roland has to fire off a shot. Boom, right in the ribs. They killed him. They've killed him. And you immediately see the disgust. From Roland At the fact That they've killed him And he holds Wayne kind of Responsible for this For using Tom As a reason And an excuse To go and beat this man Listen Fuck you
2: Fuck you for this He didn't give us a choice I was right He seen it He knew uh, You were talking shit About Tom Getting me to go along With this getting your way Hold up you a grown-ass man, I didn't force you to do anything. I just killed a man, you dumb asshole. Now it's all gone, done. Whatever he knew, gone. You fucked my life. We did it, Roland. You manipulative, egotistical, uppity, fucking word. Huh? What you gonna say? Guess what word's running through my mind right now. Say it then. Say it, motherfucker. Nah.
0: I just want you to know I'm thinking Seems kind of weird that they would then go and make Roland basically tell Wayne that he was thinking of calling him the N-word. Which is essentially what happened, but you see the real... Maybe that's just to try to drive home how mad he is at him. Although, like I said, it seems weird that that would be the go-to method. But... Roland acknowledges, realizes he's been manipulated. Wayne's defending himself, saying, look, we were right. That guy was the problem. But uh, here you see the big fight afterwards. And then you go to 2015, and they're kind of sharing more information. They're piecing together that, hey, if, if Hoyt's granddaughter died at a wreck, the officer who would have taken that call would have been Harris James, and that's probably how this whole thing got together. And then they kind of, uh, or then, then they go to the window and they see, hey, this car is back that we talked about. Hey, you see it now. They go confront it as Wayne is trying to stand in front of it and confront him with the baseball bat. He drives off, but then you see that Roland was responsible for, for getting the license plate number. Really cool scene, though, the next, you know, they're doing, they've, they've been doing some, I don't call it time travel, but being away, you know, you, you Wayne keeps seeing himself in different settings, kind of as everything's running together. And at this point, he he's standing in the road, and as he walks back into his house, he sees himself in 1990 burning his clothes, burning the evidence of what just happened. Amelia comes outside, obviously sees that something has gone really wrong. He's like, hey, I'm not gonna tell you right now. Basically, doesn't want to tell her anything, which, with a way to kind of, with a way to kind of protect her, if you will, not make her an accessory, protect her from the horrible secrets that he has. But she says, you're gonna tell me in the morning. And in the morning, as he is getting set to tell her, they get a phone call, and it is Hoyt of Hoyt Foods. <laughs>
3: Detective Hayes? Wayne Hayes? Yes. Do you know who this is? No. Edward Hoyt. I think we may have some things to discuss. How's that? Harris James. I'd like to discuss the events of last night. As I understand them. I could come inside if you like. I'd be pleased to meet your family. Your wife, the writer, little Henry and Rebecca. It's lucky having a family. No then maybe you'd like to come out and talk to me. My preference, you understand, is to keep this between us. For the moment.
2: How about a little later?
3: You may not realize this, but I've been pretty damn patient with you already. Perhaps I should take my information to the prosecutor's office. Or like I say, happy to talk inside.
0: Now, I'll be out in five. So the episode ends with Amelia panickedly watching Wayne as he walks to the car to get in there with the mysterious phone call. Obviously, we know it is the boss of Hoyt Foods, maybe the mastermind into the Purcell kids' disappearance, maybe someone who is connected to a big pedophilia ring. We also know that Wayne... Does not die? So that that ruins a little bit of the drama. But we do know that he then leaves the police force shortly after this. We do know that you know there's still something that happens with his kid. We know that there's something that happens with Roland. Those are kind of the only questions I have kind of moving forward. To me, it seems kind of cut and dry that yeah, there is this pedophilia ring, the who done it portion of the story has already kind of been solved at least for me at least as far as I'm concerned maybe they'll throw a twist in there maybe we'll find out if whether or not Roland knew anything about it although at this point it doesn't really feel that way I would be surprised if they went down that direction but we still have to kind of see some interpersonal fallout you know what what happens in this conversation they obviously don't kill him does it lead to him backing off and really resenting his wife as she keeps trying to push forward and not taking this as an answer as as he's seen. Hey, we gotta quit or we're dead. Does seem like these black cars who are out outside his window in 2015 are connected to the black cars who he drives off with at the end of this episode in 1990. The last episode, I believe, is going to run about an hour and ten minutes, so we'll get a little bit of extra time to dissect this. But right now, we'll see how it ties into the Louisiana case. We'll see how far they go into the Rust and Marty world in this next episode. I don't think there's going to be like any type of cameo, and I don't I think that would be kind of lame at this point, but it's going to, they're going to tie this in somehow. I'm excited to see it. This last couple of episodes have really kind of set the season up for a great finale. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe to Reed's Ranch on iTunes. Leave me a five-star review. Don't leave anything less than that. If you do, you're a hater and just don't bother. Don't bother uh, Don't bother reviewing at that point. But subscribe, patreon.com slash reedsranch. If you're really with the movement, I'll try to get up the finale recap on Monday afterwards. Maybe even Sunday night. We'll see. I right, appreciate everybody. We'll talk TV soon.